0: Hi, this is Claudia Offer. Welcome back to another episode of Audio Law, the law podcast for busy people, brought to you by Illustrated Law. In this episode, we'll be diving deeper into the tort of emotional distress, and we'll be questioning really what constitutes as emotional distress, and how severe does it have to be to qualify as that charge? We'll be doing so by looking at the case, Slocum v. Food Fair Stores Incorporated, 100, Southern Reporter, 2nd Series, 396, from the year 1958. But before we jump into things, I'd like to remind you about how to donate to audio law. You can do so by going to www.illustratedlaw.com. You can click on the green button and really give any amount that you're comfortable with, whether that's $1, $2, $10, anything you're able to give helps us be able to continue to create helpful episodes like this one. So let's go ahead and jump into the facts of Slocum v. Food Fair Stores Incorporated. The plaintiff sought money damages for mental suffering or emotional distress, and an ensuing heart attack and aggravation of pre-existing heart disease, allegedly caused by insulting language of the defendant's employee, directed toward her while she was a customer in its store. Specifically, in reply to her inquiry as to the price of an item he was marking, he replied, quote, If you want to know the price, you'll have to find out the best way you can you stink to me." Unquote. She asserts in the alternative that the language was used in a malicious or grossly reckless manner, quote, or with intent to inflict great mental and emotional disturbance to said plaintiff. Unquote. The court states the issue as follows, whether the conduct here claimed to have caused the injury, the use of insulting language under the circumstances described Constituted an actionable invasion of a legally protected right. Query To such an assertion of a deliberate disturbance of emotional equanimity, state an independent cause of action in tort. We'll keep it going with the reasoning. A most cogent statement of the doctrine covering tort liability for insult has been incorporated in the Statement of the Law of Torts, 1948, Supplement, Section 46, entitled, Conduct Intended to Cause Emotional Distress Only. It makes a blanket provision for liability on the part of, quote, one who, without a privilege to do so, intentionally causes severe emotional distress to another, Unquote. indicating that the requisite intention exists, quote, when the action is done for the purpose of causing the distress or with knowledge that severe emotional distress is substantially certain to be produced by such conduct, unquote. Abusive language is, of course, only one of the many means by which the tort could be committed. However, Even if we assume, without deciding the legal propriety of that doctrine, a study of its factual applications shows that a line of demarcation should be drawn between conduct likely to cause mere emotional distress and that causing severe emotional distress, so as to exclude the situation at bar. Quote, So far as it is possible to generalize from the cases, The rule which seems to be emerging is that there is liability only for conduct exceeding all bounds which could be tolerated by society, of a nature especially calculated to cause mental damage of a very serious kind. And the most practicable view is that the functions of court and jury are no different than in other tort actions, where there is at the outset a question as to whether the conduct alleged is so legally innocuous as to present no issue for a jury. A broader rule has been developed in a particular class of cases, usually treated as a distinct and separate area of liability originally applied to common carriers. The courts have, from an early date, granted relief for offense reasonably suffered by a patron from insults. a servant or employee of a carrier, hotel, theater, and most recently, a telegraph office. The existence of a special relationship arising either from contract or from the inherent nature of a non-competitive public utility supports a right in correlative duty of courtesy beyond that legally required in general mercantile or personal relationships. In view of the concurrent development of the cause of action first above described, there is no impelling reason to extend the rule of the latter cases. Their rationale does not of necessity cover the area of business invitees generally, where the theory of respondent superior underlying most liabilities of the employer would dictate some degree of conformity to standards of individual liability. This factor, together with the stringent standards of care imposed in a number of the Carrier Cases, may have influenced the treatment of the subject by editors of the Restatement, where the statement of the Carrier Doctrine is quite limited in scope and classified separately from the section covering the more general area of liability under consideration. But, whether or not these rules are ultimately adopted in this jurisdiction, the facts of the present case cannot be brought within their reasonable intendment. Now, we'll quickly hear about this episode's sponsor. This episode has been brought to you by Illustrated Law. Unlike traditional law books, Illustrated Law books have illustrations, practice questions with answers, key takeaway summaries, and so much more. It's the simple way to learn law efficiently. There are currently three illustrated law books available, and those are Constitutional Law, Torts Concepts, and Criminal Procedure, Investigation, and Justice. Order your illustrated law book today for only $15 on Amazon. Getting back to the case, we can go ahead and look at the holding delivered by the court. The determination of whether words or conduct are actionable in character is to be made on an objective rather than subjective standard from common acceptation. The unwarranted intrusion must be calculated to cause severe emotional distress to a person of ordinary sensibilities, in the absence of special knowledge or notice. There is no inclination to include all instances of mere vulgarities, obviously intended as meaningless, abusive expressions. While the manner in which language is used may no doubt determine its actionable character, Appellant's assertion that the statement involved in this case was made to her with gross recklessness, Etc., cannot take the place of allegations showing that the words were intended to have real meaning or serious effect. The key takeaway, then, in this case is that mere insult is not severe emotional distress. So, this is a case where we see there was an insufficient claim for the tort of severe emotional distress. And that wraps up Slocum v. Food Fair Stores, Incorporated. Thank you for listening. I hope that you found this podcast helpful. And if you did, please make sure to tell your friends about Audio Law and check out some of our other episodes. As Audio Law is the law podcast for busy people, I hope this episode helped make your day a little less busy.